welcome to the Nature Connection podcast, dear listener. This podcast is for the wild people of Earth yearning to come home to nature and to themselves. In this podcast, we'll explore ways in which nature and ancient Earth skills can enrich modern life and how it can support our well-being and the regeneration of our planet. I am your host, Sanne Giesen, a Nature Connection ghost, herbalist and regenerative leadership guide with a background in psychology. With this podcast and my business, The Wild Roots Guide, I hope to support you on your journey to build resilience through deep nature connection and coming home to yourself and the more than human world. Hello Wild Soul, Sanne here. I am your podcast host and this wonderful episode will be the last one of this year. How has the year flown by so fast? It has been such a delight to speak with so many inspiring people this year and we will continuing this next year. So prepare yourself for more wonderful nature-related content on this podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I really wanted to thank you for your support this year. You listening to this podcast, your kind words, comments, and messages, it really means so, so much to me. I hope the end of 2023 will be good for you. I hope you'll find moments to slow down, to reflect, and to linger in this time of darkness and wintering for a little bit. In today's episode, we'll speak with Ilse Donker. And Ilse is at the forefront of the skill sharing and rewilding movement in the Netherlands. She is a foraging guide and a rewilding mentor. And in this episode, we'll speak about the importance of community, the role of nature, and how knitting socks can be activism. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to this podcast, Ilse. I am so happy to have you here we were just talking a little bit and something that you shared is that this is a space of co-creation I think that's such an important thing to start with and how I like to view this podcast like realm to co-create beautiful conversations with the people that are joining as a guest and also the people that are joining in as listeners so yeah I'm really excited to dive into our conversation um, before we dive in can you tell us a little bit more about yourself about your work well my name is Ilse Donker and you can probably hear that I'm from the Netherlands I'm a mother I am a woman but I'm also little bit more queerish than just a woman <laughs> uh, and I work uh, with nature and history and other people it's also co-creation um, to create safe spaces to connect to each other and to find belonging and to build resilience in a world where where it's not always safe to be yourself in and uh, this is what is happening now at this moment, but I do a lot more. So maybe we can <laughs> figure it out during this conversation. <laughs> yeah, of course. This is such a broad question, of course. Yeah. And we'll dive into a little bit of the topics you already mentioned, because you're doing such interesting and important work in this society that often lacks <clears throat> belonging and resilience to, to start with. Because this podcast is all about nature and our connection to nature in the widest way possible. So that's almost everything. I'm really curious to hear to 
what rewilding means to you and how it uh, relates to nature and maybe even like challenging the society we live in, the patriarchal structures. Well, rewilding is a word with many meanings. And there are some people that are claiming that they have like the real world word rewilding. So in a way, I'm not sure if rewilding is, yeah, well, it's just a word to understand maybe a little bit what I'm trying to do. Uh, for me, it is about look at ourselves when we were humans before capitalism, the agricultural revolution and patriarchy colonization kicked in. So um, I'm trying to look back in time uh, and where did we have like these healthy structures? And I'm probably a romantic because I really hope that there are <laughs> healthy structures to live in as humans. Uh, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the uh, contemporary life and I'm looking at what we what are our, our needs be, uh, behind our yeah feelings or unhealthy practices that we do, like binging uh, everything, uh, looking for connection uh, through social media and uh, buying stuff like co consumerism. And this is not healthy for our world, for ourselves. And I'm trying to look in the need below the unhealthy um, things that we do and see where can we uh, release this domestication of this contemporary world. So where do we really find connection? Not on Instagram, for example. It just tries to lure us in to uh, get more profit out of us. But what we really want is true connection and the feeling of belonging. So um, in this way, I'm trying to set up communities about uh, parenting, about uh, skill sharings, about um, yeah, coming together, sharing circles, to go back to this baseline of us where we, yeah, where we're looking for and how how can we be healthy for us, ourselves again? And also, like, how can we calm ourselves in this overwhelming world? And where can we find peace and rest to make good uh, decisions about our lives? And this comes back in everything that I do. So, and I'm trying to look in history. So I'm going always back to the Stone Age and uh, when we lived in tribes, where we were together, where we were probably nomadic. So we didn't want it to carry a lot of stuff. If you're nomadic, that's not really handy. So consumerism was not a thing over there. So how can we go back to this uh, social mindset where being social to each other yeah, fights consumerism because you can buy everything that you want, but then you have a house full of stuff that's not healthy for nobody. But you can also befriend like the local stone napper, for example, so he can make a knife every time and everywhere where you are. I love what you're explaining about see if we can drop below like the symptoms of this modern lifestyle mm -hmm. and see that if you peel off everything, we're just social creatures looking for belonging, looking for connection. And that many things that we do, things that are problematic for ourselves, for this planet, have their roots in this dissatisfaction 
in life because our basic human needs aren't met. And I love that you share that because there is such a guilt trip or shame culture about consumerism. Mm. Like, why do I, I needed to buy a pair of jeans or a pair of trousers? And I couldn't find it on like all the um, secondhand stores. So I bought it. Like in a in a, I I went to a store that was one thing I didn't I shop online but I felt so much guilt getting something I actually needed I was like yeah this is the other side but also taking away the shame and the guilt of engaging in consumerism because this fills a hole that's created through like all the, the societal structures that mm-hmm. just rips us of belonging and connection and. Yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for, for sharing that. It was really, that was a refreshing take on revolving in general, uh, also regarding the social structures we live in. Yeah, and also for me, if it's about nature connection, then uh, first of all, we need to connect with ourselves as nature. And I think if we start seeing ourselves as nature, we can also see that the needs that we have are natural. So uh, we want to have like this safety. So what do we want? Yeah, we want good clothing. We want to have warmth. So we need, um, yeah, for example, uh, winter uh, gear or whatever. If we look at this base, then we can also take care of ourselves in a healthy way and make good decisions about this. And um, sometimes not choose what we in the beginning think that we need. That's pretty difficult in this overwhelming society because it's constantly saying you're not good enough you're not good enough you need to buy this you need to buy that so uh, making people insecure that is uh, a way uh, from a capitalist society to uh, profit over us so we can take this back and reclaim ourselves again if we really look at our uh, needs and accept them as they are and then uh, try to find ways choices about this how can we do this in a better way i think that's such an interesting quest to be on as well and mm-hmm. i really wonder what your take is on like people that are feeling the need to maybe gravitate back to their unique self their true self their nature mm-hmm. and how do, how can people go on this quest of rewilding but also like maybe making different choices than people in their surroundings are or like how can they take the first steps on their own personal journey of discerning what they actually need and want and yeah maybe on their own personal rewilding journey so to say you can always say that go to the forest but that is also sometimes it's like really a privilege because if you always need to work or don't have money for a car or this yet nature is not only in the forest i really think that uh, the first step is look at yourself as nature and also accept yourself as nature and then you don't need to go somewhere else to find nature uh, but in yourself figure out how your nervous system works so are you regulate, regulated or are you dysregulated? And especially uh, when do you make choices? Make choices when you're regulated and not if you're dysregulated because then you do stuff that are, well, probably not so healthy. They're more a way to 
fight or flight or anything like this. I also think that if we look at ourselves as nature and honor this part of nature, this is wildness. So you're taking off this whole renaissance idea of uh, nature is something else out of ourselves and we yeah, see ourselves as nature again, you're already rewilding yourself. Uh, you're looking at yourself as nature. And then you're going to look at your needs, the needs that you have as this piece of nature. How do you stay healthy? Well, that, that goes back probably to live in a tribe so how can you create a community around you that feels like a tribe where you can share your wisdom and your own nature how can you get together with people who are on the same journey so i think this is also important to physically come together this whole online movement never gives something good it's like people are feeling way more lonely because of social media because it doesn't fulfill the real needs that we have yeah first of all see yourself as nature then look at your needs then find people who are in the same uh, search as you are and then uh, this whole co-creation can start You can build community around uh, things like foraging or cooking or uh, um, medicine making or maybe working with um, fibers or all this kind of stuff. And if you go there, you already have like the community. You're, you're putting your body into work. If you learn a lot about uh, foraging, for example, you, you're building resilience. You're calming your nervous system because you know that if you're in times of hunger that you can find a way to eat so all these little steps uh, are available for almost everybody and if they're not available for everybody those people need the community that can support them so you can already have a bigger part of resilience for the community because it's never about uh, this whole self-help stuff it is really about community And I think that is that is so important to to shift this whole individualism to community and uh, to build a natural world around this. And I think it starts with maybe finding a friend or look at yourself as nature or eating uh, a leaf of a stinging nettle or make tea of it. And every time you go one step further so maybe it is more about the curiosity yeah and this is probably what helped me a lot <laughs> to allow yourself to follow that curiosity right yeah i think you're touching upon something so very important sometimes when we when we want to take a different direction in life for example living closer to nature or learning stone age skills we still apply our 21st century ideologies to it for mm. example by having the need like you said to like seeing it as a process of your own instead of seeing it in a bigger picture regarding mm -hmm. the community so we think we need to learn how to wildcraft how to gather food make medicine make baskets make buckskin clothes learn to flint yep. lap and it's like yeah we're still doing the same thing mm -hmm. <laughs> but we're giving yep. it a different name here i mm -hmm. love the how you how you place it back into the societal structures that were most likely more present in those times i really think that the lack of community 
um, how we need to do, how we feel we need to do everything on ourselves. This creates massive disruptors in our sense of safety in our nervous system. Uh, So thank you so much for touching upon that really important aspect. Because you live in an off-grid community, I'm really curious to hear what your uh, very practical takes are on how can people start living like in a community or more off-grid. You already share that you can gather up your friends and work it out like that but and you also do like skill sharing things mm-hmm. what advice would you have for people that are really craving community people that they can share their their meetings with where they can share their acorns with what would you suggest to people that are in a situation like that well um i figured out after years of living in a sort of community uh, that community is needs to have something communal, and that can be like living. Yeah, I think it needs more. I squatted for like from my 18th birthday uh, from this age, uh, so I squatted a long time in my life, and I really figured out. I I studied communities uh, as a, an art student uh, at the art school, so community needs something to be. A good community because the communities where I was in when I was squatting weren't always healthy. It was sometimes even like about partying and music, and and that can be enough. But uh, there's still a lot of anxiety or loneliness, or yeah, you still miss the the sense of belonging when it doesn't have like more aspects that you can share on. So I lived in a community that was only about living, for example, for a while. And uh, yeah, this was not nice because everybody had like different meanings of freedom. And where I had the, the need for more like communal stuff uh, and coming closer together, other people just had like, oh, no, I want my freedom uh, and, and I need to do what I want to do. And that is what community means for me, but that wasn't healthy at all. There was like a lot of repression and dominance and yeah, toxic masculinity. So I figured out that was not a good place for me anymore. You have, of course, the the uh, the, the saying, like it takes a village to raise a child. And uh, it is a lot about a village that that shows a child more than only the nuclear family does and that is like really healthy but it is also taking care of each other not only for the children but also if somebody cooks if somebody cleans if somebody does this or that then we can like be together help each other where needed it almost feels like we are building these tiny communities which are way too small to Mm -hmm. serve all our needs so we just keep on running in circles until we are burned out because we want to do everything ourselves and it has to look pretty as well which is just like you said it takes a village it takes a village to raise a child but also raise it takes a village to be a healthy community yeah and to be to be a healthy adult and it's about that because if i come home from my work and i need to cook and i need to clean and i need to take care of my child and i need to go to the shop or, or i need to forage or 
then I'm still like very lonely in this process and I don't have any time to come to myself and relax. That is like the whole life in this rat race. Uh, there's no place where we can relax. And if we build a community about all these basic needs, uh, then Monday uh, this person is going to cook, Tuesday this person is going to cook. So you don't need to do everything the whole time. And uh, that is very important and that is something we really miss because when we start doing it uh, we feel helped, we feel belonging, we feel uh, that we're not alone, we feel all this kind of things that we need as this tribal people that we are. Community helps with this and community can be about one subject but if we um, create a space where we have we figure out our needs and build build the community about that it will be even like more healthy agree especially on we touched upon the nervous system as well yeah and i think because now we go from work which is a high arousal state yes to our cars which is a high arousal state mostly and yeah. then we go home and we have to do the groceries and we have to clean and we have to cook and we're still in this busy doing yeah, and whenever we create communities in which we can share these tasks and maybe maybe even make them more enjoyable, because cooking a meal together and having a chat while you're chopping or peeling potatoes, for example, yeah. or yeah. very Dutch example, yeah, it yeah. makes it all the better. Yeah, definitely. I think that is very important, and also that children can learn from other structures than the nuclear family, for example. So my child learns way more from somebody of her own age or a little bit above it and a little bit below it and also from grown up. So you need all these types of ages to get together where they can learn from how can you be a healthy person or how can you almost achieve it but not yet so you try really hard to do it and then you do it and then you're so happy and this is like this whole scaffolding system that's also probably from Vygotsky I'm not sure if, if this pedagogue is the one that I mean but uh, he introduced this whole scaffolding system and I think that we really need this more in our villages or in our communities and not only like we are a group of, of grown-ups that are listening to punk music and going to concerts and, and drink a lot of beer because there's not like really a learning curve in it and we are curious beings. So I think that figuring out where we can learn from each other, uh, that this is way more interesting and fulfilling. So that is also the reason why I started these skill sharings um, because it is about resilience. It is about like this non-hierarchical structures. Uh, it is about belonging. It is about uh, learning to craft from non-toxic materials. Uh, it is about how can we be privileged with what we have and also see it in this way. And it's also about it can be for everybody. So if you have money or not, you're always welcome to work with fibers that are from the stinging nettle, for example. I think it's such an important thing to like get money out of the equation as well. Uh, and mm -hmm. also what it brings up in me is the importance of encouraging each other to grow. 
yeah. to encourage this kind of curiosity and follow like have people around you that lift you up and like oh you should give this a try i know you're interested in that nurturing communities around us i want to hear your perspective on it like what's the role of the land in this like does the land have a vital role in this community or is it is it separate from that like the lands we live on how does it relate to the communities we build maybe even in the uh, the aspect of skill sharing maybe the things we create what's your take on that for me uh, community is not only about people <laughs> it is also how can you connect to the stinging nettle for example so i lived a lot in squats uh, and uh, still am a squatter uh, so we reclaimed a piece of land or a building and we started to create like this healthy uh, structures or we try to do it and also reclaim like the pieces of empty lands. Can you like uh, reclaim a piece of land uh, that is called a possession of somebody else? And saying it is my birthright to live. It is my birthright to have like a healthy surrounding nature all these needs that i need to fulfill to be a healthy person how can i reclaim this and we did this at Betonbos, the place where i live in this old circus wagon and uh, we're trying we are trying to uh, take care of nature we are like sitting there and uh, nothing no tree is getting killed uh, so we have like a lot of woodpeckers we have a lot of uh, interesting species, plant species. So we're trying to conserve this while being present over there. And at the same time, we're also working with the land. We're trying to yeah, regenerate it and also to how can you eat from it and be part of nature itself and be part of the land. Uh, there are a lot of willows over there and they're really cool. They grow really fast and you can also make baskets out of them. So if I uh, am happy with the willow because it gives me baskets, for example, then I'm willingly uh, to protect this willow because I love making baskets. And if you relate to in this way to nature, like you build a relationship with a certain plant, then you also feel more this this urge or this need to protect it. So in the skill sharings that I host are a lot about forging because I'm also a for, um, foraging guide and I'm trying to uh, connect people with easy plants like pine or whatever. And I tell them, well, they're really healthy. So if you need more vitamin C or blah, blah, blah uh, in your life, you can just like take a piece of it and make tea out of it. And uh, so hopefully the people uh, feel connection with, with it and really start loving this tree as a person <laughs> and they are willing to protect it and uh, feel a sort of state of empathy with it so they they see that nature is important for them as people as nature it is very easy to see that we people are everywhere and there is almost in the netherlands no nature that has their own will anymore because we're trying to master everything there is almost no piece of land that is like real wild and of course if you zoom in on micro, micro uh, level then you will see it again but we really want to rule 
over everything. And if we relate to it as a as a person, as a as a tree guy or a tree whatever, then we can say like, okay, you also have the right to live equally as mine. So I'm going to help you with it. I'm going to be an active bystander. And I think uh, this is also how you, uh, with skill sharing, with foraging, with your community, you need to um, also be community with the land, with the tree, with the stinging nettle, with everything. It's also so wonderful to hear you talk about how in your own personal journey, these natural places came up as like a place where squatting could could be possible, but also how the willows that grow next to your your wonderful house, how they become part of your day and how it becomes part of your crafts and, and so on, and how it becomes like a member of the community in this very tangible way. Um, because sometimes I feel when we talk about seeing nature as a living being, it becomes more abstract than it already is and yeah. in this way it's just like your neighbor lending you an egg but but in this case it's a willow who's lending his or her or whatever it's it's branches to you so that you can create baskets wonderful example i think you are touching upon something very important which is that we care for what we love and i think that like earth-based activism takes ground in that as well. What is your view on activism when it comes to protecting nature, protecting land? Activism for me means putting your body into the world. So activism for me can be like giving a forge tour or we did like these marches for a squatter's right, for example. When I was younger, I was like putting my body in the front line where also the police were. And But now I became a mother. So activism for me means more, how can I support the, the younger people that are like in this front line? So can I make soup? Can I uh, help them? Can I give them like ways so they can connect with themselves, so they can calm down their own uh, nervous system, for example, so that they don't feel afraid? Or can I give aftercare for this, the things that, I, that they do? I'm trying to look at uh, wolves, for example. Uh, how does a wolf pack work? And before I was like one of the young wolves that were in front, walking through the snow, making easy paths for the elders. And now I'm trying to be like more, uh, let them go in front and be an elder so I can help them doing their thing that belongs with their age, for example. And activism can be anything. Activism, for example, uh, these days when people are, uh, celebrating Christmas or uh, for me uh, midwinter people are buying gifts and you see Black Friday everywhere and I don't understand anymore what Black Friday means because it's like for weeks and Friday is a sort of a day so this is an interesting thing so what I'm trying to do is I'm knitting socks and maybe this is not so hip and not so cool to do but it is definitely something that is for me activism because I use my hands to create a gift and if I use my hands and I take my time and it is a piece of my 
my life, I'm crafting something and I give it to somebody I really like. Somebody knows that I did a lot of work for them and we have a deeper connection about socks than about a plastic thing that you bought in the in the shop, for example. So activism can be anything. It is about time, put your body in work, be active, uh, speak for a group or educate people or say you're safe with me. It can be anything. It is about an in intention of being present, giving presence, of do anything like this. So if it's about the land and tending the land, uh, for me, activism is create openings where people can feel connection with nature. So what I told about, can you relate to the pine tree and can you love it because it makes tea for you? And this is, this is activism for me as well. This makes it so tangible and practical to mm. engage in activism that suits your personality, your ability, your social situation. Like when you have kids, this becomes a whole different conversation. You won't be you won't be there up in the front because if you get arrested, your kid has like a parent in jail, which is mm -hmm. <laughs> um, brings up all kinds of complications, of course. Yeah. But knitting socks is in its in in its essence, of course, activism. Yeah. Um, because when we think of it in a um, neoliberal sense, this this is useless work. Like mm. your 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 wage is way over. Like whatever these socks <laughs> will cost. Exactly. But, yeah. But but this makes it invaluable and and therefore an act of activism. If you don't know how to do it, find a group of people, a community that can teach you how to do it. Like join a skill sharing or whatever so you have like more ways uh, to be an activist where you can make teas or make uh, a medicine for people or knit socks for example also because i think we were speaking a little bit about the youngsters uh, like stepping up and i feel like especially with the with the younger generation there's such a pool to engage in climate activism because they see their future crumbling down and I'm yeah in regards to to all of this I'm interested to hear like what do you think of eco anxiety and eco grief and how can we can we hold space for it but also how can we how can we relate to it in a healthy way it is like th these activist burnouts they're like a logic thing that is happening when you're trying to fight an enemy that is so big that you will never overcome it and i tried that and it makes me it made me so sad so at a certain point i stopped doing it and i always had the feeling that i wa that i was here on earth for saving earth and uh, the ways that i tried to do it were yeah i was fighting with way too big yeah, swords, for example, that I could not even lift. So I did not even make like a little difference. It made me angry and then it made me numb. And I think that, that there is one thing that is working against numbness, that is keep it small. So see knitting socks or making soup as activism. See uh, planting some 
some trees that belong here uh, as activism see as helping a homeless person with a with a hot bottle to spend the night with as activism and and then you see that the things that you do make a difference and if you feel that you're making a difference you're regulating yourself in this numbness and you feel that there are things that you can change so i'm always trying to keep it small and i'm always trying to find people where i can do these things with so it will is more like a shared experience so we can talk about it and uh, we can craft and we can help each other and people who really like the socks that i knit for them and that they see the effort so yeah eco anxiety i understand it and i have it too but it does not help me in being healthy so that i'm if I'm not healthy and I'm part of this ecosystem, I'm also polluting myself. So how can I start and uh, make myself healthy again? And that starts with this little small interventions. And I think if you start with making this stinging nettle tea, for example, as your first little intervention and step two is sharing it with others. Step three is doing it with another plant or educate people around it. Then you're more in this, the circle of influence. And if you're in this circle of influence, then this is a more reciprocal way and you give something and you get something and there is way more balance in doing this and you regulate your own nervous system and so you calm down your numbness and your anxieties and I think for me this helped. <laughs> it's so interesting to see the interconnectedness between all of this because if we so if we look through this lens if we look through eco-anxiety we touch upon earth-based activism but when we look at earth-based activism it touches on patriarchy and capitalism and if you just start small with yourself, you'll just impact this whole chain of mm. big things that if you, for example, you want to bring down capitalism, by all means, try to do so. But the mm. biggest act we can do is to make it really small. And from that, like you shared so beautifully with these steps, take it a little bit further, maybe gift it, share your, share your knowledge share your skills and change your change be the, be the change you wish it to see in the world of course not forgetting that there are companies that have big a big impact in our society of course but really to make it doable and also to make it fun because it's fun to it sucks if you know how to do i'm a terrible knitter so you make medicine for example yeah maybe also to dare to lean into the gifts that you have been given in mm -hmm. the in the sense of community and that and amplify that really wonderful suggestions you're you're giving yeah and it's also interesting so if you don't like knitting for example this whole knitting thing it's like the symbol of activism yeah. in this conversation <laughs> but if you're like if you don't like knitting but you like making medicine then this this whole thing 
is like the, the the chain in community. So you're good in this and you're valued for for making awesome socks. <laughs> and and you're valued for making great medicine. So everybody belongs in a way in this community and then you feel seen and then you feel this part of belonging and like I think it's about this and it's also I said in the beginning like one step is look at yourself as nature by polluting yourself with fear and anxiety it is not always a choice uh, to step out of it but if you have the choice uh, you're uh, purifying nature as well and I think that is very important there's such power in taking care of yourself and breaking free from like the structures we have around that like that were incomplete without the newest fashion for example but once mm -hmm. we really learn to soothe ourselves to find sense of belonging to know what our gifts are to find people that lift us up to care for ourselves like you so beautifully said for ourselves first we also contribute to nature in in various ways to see ourselves as nature and to heal uh, is to heal nature but when you are feeling better generally you are less likely to engage in buying useless things that you won't use and therefore again in another layer healing nature saving nature it's it is like you're trying to heal yourself but if that's at the same time is that uh, healing the community so that is very important because this individualistic thing like i need healing that doesn't work if you isolate yourself from this social structures that you're in it just doesn't work <laughs> no we're in this ecosystem mm -hmm. in this community of yeah. people and plants and yeah. other living beings and zooming out is is really important also it takes the pressure off mm -hmm. uh, because if you like one in three adults at this moment experiences some kind of mental health issue this isn't mm -hmm. about you guys this is about <laughs> mm -hmm. this is about how we build our society around us because i'm always really interested in in this like how do you do this yourself do you have daily practices habits or mindsets that help you to live a life that's more aligned to the things you believe that are true Everything that I do needs to be healthy for me. And it is really a big search because, yeah, this this society doesn't always bring you at the right track. But for me, um, I'm a forest schools teacher. So I go to the woods with the children and I'm trying to be a mentor for them and, and teach them about nature, about their bodies into nature. Like, oh, it's cold outside. How can you take the power back or reclaim your your warmth what do you need to do well very easy you can start with movement but also we do foraging uh, with the children and all this type of games and that's very interesting but i also um, try to build community about crafting uh, from nature um, i'm working it at this stone age museum in the netherlands so this is a place where i can experiment with pre-colonialism or pre-capitalism -cap in in the Netherlands <laughs> and it's an experiment so 
I don't claim that I have all the answers or whatever, or I do it everything right. But my intention is, uh, it's a research, and uh, being an 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 artist, all these types of processes are very important for me, and they keep me sane in a way. So it 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 keeps me focused on what I want. Uh, I started with drinking nettle tea or making like this witch's brew when I was a child and I could never let it go and when I started squatting I started to live in this more autonomous life I try to look at all the elements that I am it is about what does my body need what does my mind need what does my social thing need my spirituality and I try to I try to find ways that I uh, can fulfill all these needs by stacking it all together coming together and and drink nettle tea for example and and uh, learn new crafts or educate other people Uh, it is one thing but it stacks so many layers of the needs that i have so i try to relax a lot i try to do stuff where i feel belonging in and it can be so easy and it can be sometimes very difficult, but it's always an adventure. You already shared so many wonderful options for people to try for themselves. And I was wondering if you have specific maybe books or podcasts or practices that you would like to recommend to people listening so that they can start or deepen their personal journeys. So you have the books that everybody recommends, probably, like Braiding Sweetgrass, that was a real nice one, uh, Sand Talk from Tyson Junkaporta, uh, but also Ishmael. And Ishmael from Daniel Quinn was a book that I read when I was a little bit younger. It gave my vision of the world a shift, and from that day on, practice in nature connection deepened on a very big layer of equality so this but also simple books like foraging books start foraging go to the woods forage an all. and there are a lot of books about that um, i have this list on my website there are a lot on, of books on it that i really recommend so i am very much into yeah, this sort of anarchistic way of thinking. So, uh, and not like this nihilism that I found a lot in squatters culture, but more like how can we make our consciousness bigger so we don't need people to rule us, but we can make decisions from a safe place of being. These are the most interesting things that I learned from. And there are a lot of books about anarchy and anarchism, and there are very interesting writers about this. I really liked uh, the the Peter Michael Bauer podcast uh, about rewilding. I really like For the Wild podcast. Um, yeah, and also yeah. the the Gene Owl books. The the gift Lewis Hyde was very interesting for me. That's one that I that I am still reading, <laughs> but it's very interesting, and it's about like giving and and how can we give on a healthy way and i think the topics you address they branch out from rewilding so beautifully when we challenge social structures what comes next and i think anarchy is a movement if you can call it a movement Mm -hmm. that has thought these things through really well and for many 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 years 
and it is interesting to breathe about this as well like what are what are life views what are our views on living together on creating society together and i think these are really interesting topics to dive deeper in if you speak to you to widen your horizon so and i know you mentioned your website and i know you offer uh, nature mentoring foraging walks uh, skill sharing things you're doing so many interesting things uh, so if people want to reach out to your work and they where can they find you best Well, I have like this Instagram account, but I really don't like Instagrams. So I would say uh, you can find me at Instagram, uh, but I prefer it to be uh, at my website. And that's ilsedonker.nl. I also have this newsletter and that is the Verwilderwerkgroep. And that is in Dutch. Um, uh, This is about like, how can we... Uh, give each other inspiration and uh, be part of the movement next to next to our busy lives and still find community. Uh, and I would say that if you want to be part of this movement of skill sharings, it is very easy to just join because you don't need to have like big skills. You can also just be a person that wants to learn and that is also good enough. I think that people are a little bit afraid to step into yeah, the teacher part or they don't feel good enough. And uh, these skill sharings are really about this, like find your belonging in your community with what you can. And if it's not like sharing a skill, it is like listen to somebody who is mentoring a skill or who is learning how to mentor so all these things are like very important and everybody is very welcome in this i really love that you are taking skill sharing in the netherlands to a next level because i really feel that for example if you look at america where they have like giant festivals not giant but relatively large festivals Mm -hmm. dedicated to skill sharing and you are really filling up this gap of starting small getting this skillshare movement going and letting people realize that how nice it is to connect with people that are like-minded in this in this sense and learning nice skills but also sharing your knowledge and also be reminded of how much how much knowledge and skills you already have and bring mm-hmm. it to the table whether this is your epic at timekeeping amazing at cooking food or you have like skills like fire making or basket weaving it doesn't, yeah, doesn't or matter. telling stories it's yeah or be just present yeah. <laughs> it's enough <laughs> that's that's enough and I want to thank you for this conversation for the inspiration and for Yeah, the the ripple effects you are creating in this world because it's needed. Mm